Yeah, I think we're going to see um, we're going to see a lot more in the the, the pre-design, the planning phase. We're going to see a lot more thought put into uh, all of the elements of construction before we actually pour concrete. I think um, I think there's a lot of uh, in the past. There's been a it's been a lot easier just to say, hey, we'll make that decision on site. You know, let's just cut it to this and we'll cut it down on site. You know, let's just take a, a lot of shortcuts, whether that be on schedule or whether that be on the design or whether that be on the actual prefab portion. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. I am excited to welcome back the CEO of BIM Designs, Inc. Mark Odin joined us back on episode 12 in our Burning Man and BIM episode. Welcome back to the show, Mark. I'm so excited to be here, Todd. Thank you for having me. And also congratulations to you and to ASTI for winning Construction Podcast of the Year by Construction Junkie. You must be very proud of your team. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a very exciting uh, win for us. It was it's pretty in- incredible uh, on a, a very humbling experience for being our, our first year out and very unexpected to uh, be able to go up against, you know, I, I listened, there was 11 other nominations and I listened to pretty much all those podcasts too. It was, I get inspired by them too. So it was, it was really cool. Just, you know, everybody says it's a pleasure to be nominated. It, it really was a pleasure to be nominated in our first year. Uh, did not expect to uh, win in the end, but very grateful for all those who, who listened and, and voted. And really thanks to, to you. I mean, a large, large credit goes to all of our amazing guests that we've had on. You guys make the show. So Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on and being willing. Of course, of course. And uh, I, I always love your humbleness and I always love um, your passion and speaking with you about your passion for podcasts. So this is very well deserved and kudos to you and your team for that time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's definitely a team effort. So Mark, wondering if you could give just kind of a quick recap on your story and BIM designs and kind of what you've been up to to catch our, our new listeners up that maybe haven't uh, heard the, the first episode that you were on. Yeah, thank you so much, Todd. So in the, in the context of Burning Man, um, that's actually evolved quite significantly um, in, in this new world. We have had a lot of uh, developments, actually. Sharon's been very hard at work in virtualizing um, her art installation and her, her story uh, that she's trying to build. Uh, Burning Man itself has gone completely virtual, so they're going to have uh, a very big announcement come, uh, come August and September uh, with many different uh, virtual platforms that people can participate in. Mm-hmm. And um, we're starting to partner with one of those platforms named Infinite Playa. Uh, we'll be, we'll be, we will be working very closely with artists to 3D render their models into that virtual space. Uh, as far as BIM Designs goes, uh, we're an agile BIM detailing, modeling, consulting, and coordination service provider. So we work closely with architecture, engineering, and construction contractors uh, and, and develop that developers that require experienced journeyman detailers and engineers uh, for a mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and fire protection modeling. We also provide laser scanning and other VDC services. Uh, we're signatory with 18 different UA locals, uh, UA and smart unions in multiple different states. Oh, wow. Nice. That's a lot going on there. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that time. You know, you guys are really on the, the leading edge of, uh, of innovative workflows and, and practices, I think across the board. Uh, so that it's, it's always cool to, to see you guys do your thing uh, out in, you know, different places that you, you don't naturally think, you know, it's, it's not uh, naturally uh, what you think for the construction industry. And that's, that's what I love about what you guys are doing there. I think it's really cool. 
Well, thank you for saying that, Todd. I really appreciate it. Um, we do consider ourselves a, a tech-first uh, construction company. So we want to bring technology into, into the industry while still honoring the, the construction industry itself. And I really see a lot of opportunities to do that, especially in this new world. Yeah. So you mentioned the new world. And that's where I'd really love to, to sit most of our conversation uh, with is, you know, there's so much disruption, so much change has occurred over the last several months since last we, we spoke uh, in Atlanta. Just kind of quickly uh, on, on a high level, what's been the biggest part of the disruption for you all? Well, for, for us as a firm, uh, we were actually already a, a work remote company and we're seeing that transition being forced upon everybody in, in, in the world and in the country. Mm. Uh, but we were already, uh, that as a tech first company, we decided that we would have a remote workforce. Um, so interestingly enough, what may have been disruptive for most was least disruptive for us. We didn't even miss a beat because our, our employees were already working, working at home, already mm -hmm. safe, socially distancing at their house. Um, so uh, all of those standards, processes, and procedures already existed. Uh, I would say what would be most disruptive for us is, um, is that it, it, it created longer meeting cycles, longer meeting times, and we had to look at how do we, how do we uh, enable everybody to take that break in between meetings, uh, yeah. how do we enable a community within, um, within the organization, how do we help uh, our employees um, really address self-care, um, mm -hmm. because during, uh, you know, during this uh, new world where everybody's having to adapt new policies and new uh, a new way to approach the world, a new way to enter the world. Uh, a lot of uh, restaurants, bars, and and you know relaxation spas, etc., shutting down. Um, how do you find your new center? Uh, mm -hmm. So we've actually spent a lot of time within the company, um, myself included, uh, studying how we can do that and 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 improving that. In fact, we did a, a self care Friday where uh, we gave everybody a half a paid day off. A lot of our employees um, fishing, painting, hiking. Uh, yoga. They did nature walks. Uh, photography. One of one of the winners. We had a contest to actually encourage this process. So not only did everybody get a half a day paid off, but we actually had a contest where two of our employees um, got a monetary stipend. Uh, oh wow! For, for one yeah. of the best ideas. Um, so one of our employees, Brian Heron, uh, picked up photography again, and he sort of told a story about how he had let for his his hobby and his passion of photography photography kind of slip, uh, in in you know during COVID, but also just in transitioning jobs and trying to. You know, maintain his work-life balance, and so he was very, very happy to have brought, you know, ha have this be an outlet for for bringing photography back. Um, another one of our employees, Trista Ramirez, just had a very simple quality time with her with her spouse. They went to dinner. They were holding hands. So the photo was of them holding hands, and just that special moment in time is so important to capture and relish, um, especially during all this time. Um, yeah. Other other things. I love camping, so I go camping almost every weekend uh, just to just to release and relax. Um, a lot of people like uh, swimming and cooking and biking. So we've really been able to build a community within our employee base just by just by talking about what do we love to do outside mm -hmm. of work, and that's really enabled uh, a great culture inside of the office as well. Yeah, that's office. awesome. What kind of uh, impact do you think that you guys have seen as far as you know being more productive at work? Like, how does having the healthier balance in your personal life? How does that? translate into the office? Absolutely. Employees are far more engaged. They're far more willing to collaborate and communicate with each other, help solve problems, even though they're remote and not sort of having that water cooler talk. Yeah. They have virtual spaces for them to, you know, discuss what they did over the weekend. In fact, actually every Monday morning at 6 a.m., we have the whole company join a meeting and we, we talk about what we all did over the weekend. 
Um, so we, we may have some company announcements as well, but we pick uh -huh. a few people just to share what they did and, and everybody's able to say, wow, you have similar hobbies as me, or I, you know, I didn't know that about you. And it creates this whole new area to relate and, um, and, and collaborate together, even though we're all remote. Yeah, that's great. Hello, innovators. With much gratitude, I thank you for your continued support, for listening to the show, and for voting us Construction Junkies' Best Construction Podcast of 2020. It means so much to everyone working on the podcast to win this distinction, especially in our first year as a podcast nominee. I speak for all of us by saying that it is an honor to shine a spotlight on the innovation and change agents throughout construction every week. We have really cool things in store for you all in the coming episodes and months. So stay tuned. And again, thank you. Did you see where the, when you first started doing it, did, were there some people that were, you know, kind of dragging their feet more or, or do people kind of jump on pretty quickly? Well, it's always hard to get people to turn on video. Uh, <laughs> so, so there is definitely a big push and encouragement uh, by the executive team to, to have folks turn on video. Uh, but we try to get that whole, that whole communal aspect. And, um, and, and once you get sort of past that, once individuals get past that initial fear of, you know, showing themselves and expressing themselves, it all becomes, you know, everybody sees like, wow, I mean, we're all connected in this world together. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, so how do you think the trades are going to need to really shift their building practices in the face of all this COVID aftermath and ramifications from it? Yeah, we are seeing a, a huge push uh, by contractors to get um, as many people off their site as possible. And so mm -hmm. that's actually a, a, a major um, attributor to both prefabrication and, and BIM um, pre-construction, BIM planning. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, on the prefab side, I mean, it already saves anywhere between 40 to 50% on, 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 on machinery and tools and, and equipment. Um, but it also leads to less time in the field, uh, more importantly, and CDC, the new CDC guidelines are a lot easier to follow um, when, when you're in a controlled environment like the shop. It's, it's a little sure. bit more natural social distance. Everybody's on their own piece of machinery. Uh, and then uh, naturally, um, BIM modeling or, or BIM designs provides a service into the prefab shop. So what we, what we design for them during the pre-construction phase uh, goes into prefab. So the more that we can bring all of the uh, notion of construction into pre-construction, the more virtual employees can be and, and the more safe the environment will be overall. So Mark, wondering if uh, you can kind of unpack any other ways that firms might be able to have a smoother transition to prefab. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Todd. So um, we actually really see uh, a major potential opportunity for applied software, owned software called Evolve. Um, it's a spooling software that feeds into the prefab process. So it's actually that bridge between the BIM modeling and the prefab. So um, I, I, would, I would see a huge, uh, and, or I would anticipate a huge uptick in, in the need for that type of software. Um, yeah. so, you know, kudos to ASTI for thinking ahead on that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we definitely have seen a, a lot of interest uh, recently uh, around our Evolve products and both on the mechanical and the electrical front during all this because it's, it does really help create a, a, such a smooth transition into the digitization and, um, you know, really entering into the, the world of prefab. So yeah, thanks for the, the call out there. For sure. Yeah. And other software that we've seen, um, you know, majorly help us as an organization, for example, is Microsoft Teams. Um, really, really happy with the ability uh, of that of that program to bring all of our teams together, both um, mm -hmm. asynchronously and synchronously. 
so we really see a lot of this, uh, you know, new age kind of Silicon Valley uh, software um, uh, really coming into construction and, and, and helping it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think Teams is a, it's a pretty powerful tool. We use it internally as well too. Uh, so to, to have that ability to all collaborate and, and work in the same spaces, that's awesome. That comes in handy. <laughs> so what do you think is the, the biggest thing that the construction industry should learn and really grow from this in the season? Well, I think, uh, I think being a tech first, uh, construction company, uh, we embraced and inherited technology. It's, it's, it's my background. It's in my DNA. Um, and I, and we definitely recognize that, um, you know, the construction industry, uh, has their set, their set procedures or set policies. They, they reduce risk and moving to a virtual environment was maybe more risky than, uh, than a lot of companies were comfortable with. But when uh, when when COVID um, you know came into the world, uh, it was it was forced upon all of us. And I think a lot of construction companies have, have started to build trust for remote working, and they've started to build you know more uh, um, an easier way to relate with each other, even if it's not the in-person uh, handshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I want to back up for a minute. Uh, so you used the the line "tech first company" a couple times. Uh, you want to take a minute and kind of unpack. What do you mean by it? Sure. Yeah. My uh, my background is I spent ten years in, in the tech industry, Silicon Valley, mostly at Cisco Systems. So I had a, I had a full career there, and I'm, I'm very grateful for everything I learned uh, at Cisco. And it really taught me. Cisco is a, a Fortune 500 company with people, you know, employees all around the world. So sure. at 10, 15 years ago, uh, we we were all using video. We were all using uh, different methods of video, whether it be uh, WebEx or uh, a device on your desk that is a, is a video camera. Um, so it, it became very natural for me uh, a long time ago to collaborate internationally and nationally uh-huh. uh, through, through video conferencing. And so, uh, and through that, living in Silicon Valley, it's, it's always, you know, cutting edge first. So you're always very excited to see what, what startup is out there. What are they, what are they, what problem are they solving? What are they fixing? Um, what, how can I introduce this into my workforce? How can I make things much more efficient, productive, and collaborative at the same time? And so, um, you know, having a decade of that experience and then coming into the construction space, uh, I, I bring that mindset into, you know, how can I, uh, what is that new creative tool I can, I can adapt? What can I create? What can our company create to help the construction industry? Um, so yeah. we actually are looking at different, um, uh, different software solutions that we might be able to produce uh, in the market. And right now we're going through uh, market research with our existing clients uh, to see where, where do they find the gaps uh, in, in managing the pre-construction process. And, we're very excited about that. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, this is a slight detour, I guess, but uh, I'm curious. Well, what, from the tech world, what brought you into construction? What was the big appeal of coming into construction? You, you know, it's, uh, construction tends to have the reputation. I don't think it's a fair reputation, but it has a reputation that it's not a tech forward industry. Um, so what was, the, what was the big appeal? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that. And, um, and and while I might agree with you, it's very important that we honor the, the existing construction market. There's so many uh, experienced architects and engineers, uh, detailers, journeymen that are out there um, that uh, are, are looking to make that leap, looking to make the leap into technology. Oh, and, sure. the, and I feel it's the risk reduction, uh, you know, the management side that, that is trying to say, hey, we, you know, it's very difficult for us to adopt this or transition to this new technology because what we have works and what we have, we know we can we can manage the profit and the margin line uh, margin mm. for that. Um, uh, that being said, uh, what got me into construction is uh, that I bought a house in San Francisco. I co-bought it with uh, with a co-owner Tim, and 
we decided to renovate the top unit. So actually at that time I, I left Cisco, I took some time off, I took a sabbatical down in South America, um, really just, um, you know, came in tune with myself and what I wanted, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and, and part of that was that I, you know, I really recognized that I was a businessman and I really wanted to um, find opportunities and, and help the world be a, a better, more collaborative place, but in, in a space that I had the ability to, um, to grow and learn uh, and to, to be more true to myself. And, and through going through the, uh, becoming the general contractor of this renovation, I learned a tremendous amount about the, the possible personal and professional growth that I have um, through the construction space. Mm-hmm. And it was through um, almost a year of dedicated work on that, on that project that I started to build a network in the construction industry um, and, and eventually ended up buying this company because I saw such an amazing vision and opportunity to help this, uh, help this industry grow. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. I think it's, it's always cool to see the, the underlying motivations and uh, the path that, that led people where they are. Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think one of the positives, if you will, of uh, COVID has been the digital transformation in the construction industry that, as you said, it, it really forced people into going digital and, and trying to figure it out. It was a almost a, you know, sink or swim atmosphere. How have you seen others throughout the industry kind of adapt to this new normal and everything digital? Absolutely. We've seen a tremendous amount, much more of online marketing conferences shifting to virtual as MEP forces shifting to virtual, for example, uh, burning sure. shifting to virtual. Um, we see a huge drive for, for data. Um, we really want to understand, uh, everybody wants to understand, Hey, how, how productive is the team? How do we measure productivity? Mm-hmm. How do we measure interactivity between the, uh, our team, between our clients? How do we, how do we demonstrate the success uh, even though we're all virtual? Uh, I think there's a big drive for that right now. Um, there's a lot of interest in adopting BIM and adopting building information modeling and bringing those savings and reduced risks to their organization. So companies that you know, may have been a little bit tentative or sensitive to, um, to bringing that new technology, just as we were talking about before, um, are starting to realize the benefits of that of that pre-construction play. Um, and then we're, we are seeing a much stronger interest and acceptance in, in remote workers um, and a transition in, in the working, the knowledge worker. The knowledge worker um, may or may not become uh, much more of a, um, uh, much more of a gig economy where they're sort of helping out different companies um, in the comfort of their own home. They're providing their knowledge uh, as best as they can and their expertise as best as they can to the uh, different entities that need them. So there's, mm-hmm. I think, going to be a lot more of a, of a services play and gig economy play in that sense in the future. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so kind of circling back on the, the prefab side, why should firms start prefabbing in, in this time? Why, you know, why is this a good time to do it? Um, uh, and then how do they really kind of go about that? What, what's, a, what's a starting point for them? Yeah, great question. Uh, if a company hasn't yet invested in prefab, it is a fairly large investment because you need the physical space and you need the machinery. Uh, so sure you know, one to $3 million just to get started in that. Uh, but there are several other uh, companies and services out there that, that purely provide prefab and they've optimized the transportation and shipping. Com- com- uh, they've optimized the, the shipping and, and transportation capabilities of the prefab. Mm. Uh, so that is your shortest path uh, first, uh, I would say would be partnering with a third party. Uh, but prefab, if you invest in that, if a larger contractor invests in that for their organization, it will allow them to bring uh, their field journeymen and foremen out of the field, uh, create more space in the field and bring them into the shop and, and, and effectively take 
the output of what is what comes out of BIM designs or BIM modeling, the spools, et cetera, and, and pre-cut so they, they would be able to pre-order everything uh, that they would need and then pre-cut that to link and then spool it, actually, you know, physically spool it together, drop it off at the job site, and you could actually, you know, have that maybe at night, drop it off at the job site or whenever, you know, no, nobody mm -hmm. else is around just to create that distance. And then the next morning uh, when the, the journeyman comes in, uh, he has his instruction set, he has his spool sheets, his shop drawings, and, and, and his uh, spooled material right there for him. And, he, and maybe with only one other helper, do a lot more work than, than he may have been able to do without prefabbing the equipment. Yeah. Uh, so the, the stats around prefabbing are, are pretty crazy uh, of how a, a big a benefit and bang for your buck that you get. You know, I've seen stats of 80% reduction in construction waste and um, 20 to 50% to in scheduling improvements. And do you see people latching on to prefab more or are, do you see more of a hesitancy in this moment? Well, uh, right now we've seen a, personally, we've seen a major uptick in the interest in BIM, which yeah. also indicates an interest in prefab um, because they both, they go hand in hand, really. Uh, so I, we've, we're very close to doubling just coming out of uh, phase one of, of COVID uh, oh, wow. in anticipation of helping the, the market with their needs. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a major investment in, in research centers and hospitals that, that we're helping participate in. Sure. And, um, and we're seeing a, a massive drive towards that pre-construction. So I think all of pre-construction is going to be, you know, could potentially be positively impacted uh, mm -hmm. by phase one of COVID and, and, and the future. Yeah. Hey, MEP friends, looking for a competitive edge? MEP Force is the event for you. It has become the gathering place for industry leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is that it's all industry led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you will be getting real life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, it's all virtual. So if you register now, you will have access to all the breakout sessions, even after the official event is over. Go to MEPForce.com to register today and use promo code BTG99 to get your ticket for only $99. That's an almost 80% discount. See you virtually at MEPForce. Uh, what do you see, speaking of the future, what do you see as the, kind of the future state of the industry coming out if we we're looking at like a year out from now where's construction going to be yeah i think we're going to see um we're going to see a lot more in the 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 pre-design the planning phase we're going to see a lot more thought put into uh all of the elements of construction before we actually pour concrete i think um i think there's a lot of uh, in the past there's been a it's been a lot easier just to say hey we'll make that decision on site you know let's just cut it to this and we'll cut it down on site you know let's just take a, a lot of shortcuts, whether that be on schedule or whether that be on the design or whether that be on the actual prefab portion and everything will be, you know, fixed on site. And I think that will still be necessary. There will still be elements that need to be fixed on site and the expertise needs to be there. Uh, however, I think there will be a drive to bring all of that, that a lot of that thought uh, forward into the planning process. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's what I would say would be a big change. Another one would be a different utilization for space. Uh, how, how are malls going to be used in the future? 
Um, yeah. Are malls going to be uh, more restaurant spaces that have you know tables wider apart rather than cramming as many tables into a, a, a tight space as possible? Maybe there's less retail shops and the and the restaurants take over those retail shops that have a more of an experience type of you know uh, like Rainforest Cafe for example if you remember that right mm -hmm. so maybe there'll be a little bit more of that experience that has it takes more volume but it it allows everybody to sort of enjoy the the comfort and safety of, of a restaurant and the space between different tables um, as an example. Uh, I think there's going to be uh, new uh, industry regulations and codes and uh, code enforcement that sure. will, um, you know, change occupancy rates, uh, change, uh, you know, how many bathrooms you need or, or how much, how many stalls you have to have, or, um, you know, how many cubicles you can have close to each other. I think there will be different, you know, different regulations all around that, um, that will uh, create new opportunities for construction, for tenant improvement, and will also create uh, brand new construction opportunities. I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of innovation in the architecture space. You know, how do we help people feel safe outside of their home is going to be a real big question that I feel the construction industry can be a huge part of answering. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I think it's a, it's a really interesting um, thought experiment on, I agree that, you know, probably some retail spaces will unfortunately kind of go away or, and the restaurants may take over that space, but also on the office front, you know, the trend was such a hard swing to, open office environments and tear down all the walls and have nothing in between anybody. Well, in this world, that's not, <laughs> nobody wants to sit in an office space that you're sitting two feet away from somebody else uh, staring you right in the face. So, you know, what does that look like? How do we go into all these office buildings and, and revamp and now offices are going to need even more space so that they can spread their people out. Cause we've just spent the last couple of years putting people in as, as many people in a, a space as we possibly can. This is reversing that trend hard and fast. <laughs> well, I, uh, I had, I had the, uh, I had the privilege of working in a cubicle for almost 10 years. And, and I gotta say, I, I much prefer the open environment. So, so maybe there will be, maybe there will be, uh, you know, the glass shields that we're seeing, right? So maybe yeah. there'll be a little bit more of like a combination or a merge of those two environments. Um, uh, maybe it'll be, it's still an open space, but people sit, you know, further away from each other so they can still uh -huh. you know, have jokes or throw the, throw the flying monkey or whatever, you yeah. know, all those types of things. But, um, but kind of, yeah, we will have to merge all of that. Uh, plus there's, uh, how many companies and how many businesses talking about percentages and stats will decide, Hey, we're just going to have, you know, nearly hundred percent remote workforce. Yeah. And where were those, where were those operating costs of traditional running an office go? Will it go like us? What we're trying to do is put that money into running an office into supporting our employees and to having these self-care programs, for example, into encouraging them to spend time with their family and spend time with their kids. Um, so I, I'm hope I'm hopeful that um, as, uh, as office space changes and maybe potentially reduces the, the employee will benefit out of it and will live a better life. Um, We've already heard uh, that you know employees love that they don't have a commute, they don't have to deal with traffic. Uh, so you know, just traffic itself is stressful, right? So they've had a stress reduction in their life, and already their quality of life is better. Yeah. So now, how do we? How does a company continue to consistently invest in that quality of life, whether it be at the office where people are spread out, or, or you know, plexiglass or whatever, or how how is it with an almost entirely workforce, uh, a remote workforce? Mm -hmm. um, we've also heard of uh, some companies that um, are, are, you know, being fairly strict and want to remain uh, an, an at-office, uh, non-remote workforce. Um, and there's there's varying results with that. You know, there's some people that are, are highly productive when they go to the office and they need that social interaction. 
and there's there's some type of uh, employees that prefer to have their own space, their own environment, be home, have that family time before they go to work, have that family time afterwards uh, without dealing with the stress of travel. Uh, so I think you will start to see these kind of uh, two camps of either companies or two camps of employee bases, and they'll all sort of naturally find each other. Um, I don't think that any any one idea is out entirely. I just think you're going to see a permutation of it all. Do you think it's going to be too hard to put the genie back in the bottle in the sense of the people that have gotten a taste of remote working? Can you really expect those people to to come back in the office, especially if they've proven that they can be just as productive or even maybe more productive at home. How, how, does, how do you put that genie back in if the company says, you know what, everything's safe now. We actually want people back in the office. Yeah, if, if a company makes that choice, um, you know, uh, if I were to make that choice, I would make it a smooth transition. You know, I would say, hey, let's, let's do it one, one day a week. We're all coming to the office. You know, we're mm -hmm. going to have a team activity, a team building. Uh, next next month we'll do two days right and we just look slowly transition back because uh, going into COVID was such a shock for so many people on the both on the personal and professional side of things sure. uh, that it would be it would be a lot smoother a lot healthier to sort of transition back I think it's completely possible and I think there will be a, a new normal and that new normal will consist of you know people flying again people traveling again uh, people coming to the office for meetings or you know sales meetings remotely or, or, or physically in person right yeah. Uh, so I think it's all possible, um, but I do think if a company uh, makes a hardline decision of saying, "Hey, we're going to be 100 back, you know, 100 back in the office, no, no ifs, ands, or buts, and no transition," I think it'll be a shock for some people, and those, uh, and 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 some people will decide, "Okay, I will, I will bear through that shock, and I'll get back into what my new normal is," or let me see if there's other opportunities out there for me that fit my new work style and my new my new patterns. Um, yeah. But you know, I guarantee you, there's there's uh, there, there's people out there that are highly productive uh, remote working, and there's people out there that are not so productive remote working, and so that's where oh, sure. we're tracking, the tracking data and productivity. Yeah, yeah, different personalities have definitely latched onto it in different ways, <laughs> which I mean that obviously that happens with anything. You know, different personalities are going to react differently, which is you need all those types. It's what makes the world go around. Yeah, and that's actually what's been really, um, really fun, honestly, about this experience is, um, you know, with a lot of this, you know, lockdown and stay at home, you get a lot more time with yourself, right? And, and, and so you start to understand who, who are you and, and what, what helps you feel uh, the safest and what helps you feel uh, the, the most self-care for yourself, what helps you bring that, right? Every individual has now had to answer that without so much external stimuli. Yeah, uh, And so that, like I said, that transition has been a shock, but the people who have been most successful at making that transition are adopting this new world and this new mentality. Uh, so um, it, it really is a shock when, um, when you can't go out to eat anymore or you can't, you know, you feel like you can't go out and have a picnic, but you can, right? Like, why not just go have a picnic and watch the sunset? Like, any, you know, you should be able to feel comfortable in doing that. Absolutely. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough mental 
hill to get over for, for some, you know, I, I have three kids, four and under at home. So things can get kind of loud and chaotic <laughs> when I'm down, uh, down working, but it's been really helpful. Of like I can allow myself 15 minutes to go up and, and play with them for a, a couple minutes or, or read them a book before nap time and then come back down and do work. Cause I would have gotten up and, you know, talk to different people if I was in the office and socialize that way. So it's, I think it's giving yourself the, the freedom to be able to take those breaks and that you need those mental checks. I notice on days when I'm just in front of the computer for you know, all day long and I haven't gotten up and, and moved, uh, I'm a lot less pleasant <laughs> to be around. <laughs> so it's important to take those breaks <laughs> and give yourself that kind of mental freedom. It's so important. And that's why, that's why it's, um, uh, increasingly important to bring those meeting times, you know, standard is 60 minutes, but if you bring that down to 50, even if it's a virtual meeting, that gives people 10 minutes to transition. That yeah. gives people 10 minutes to go up and, and, and talk to the kids, play with their kids, get coffee, whatever it is. Um, especially with kids, I, I've noticed the home life, the home work life balance can be kind of difficult because employees can be, I've seen employees in the middle of a meeting and, and their kid, six years old, walks in the door, just wants to talk to their dad, you know, just yeah. wants to spend time with their dad. And, and I always do my best to encourage them. Hey, let's just pause the meeting. Like have that moment with your kid. Cause that's what they're looking for right now. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's so important to give that to your employees and to give that to your employees family while, you know, uh, keeping in mind, you know, minimum disruption during the workplace, but it's that, it's that connection. And, and I feel like uh, kids are going to be most impacted by this, right? The new normal is to wear masks. And so that's what they know. You know, right. the, the new normal might be walking into dad's office and, and he's there, but you can't really connect with him. Right. So how do you, how do you establish that connection between um, father and daughter or, or, or you know, mother yeah. and son whatnot when, when they've got to work all day long, but they're at, you know, they're at home. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think all my, my team uh, has for sure seen all three of my kids <laughs> randomly pop up on the, the, the video during uh, zoom meetings, uh, at least the, a handful of times during all this they uh they think it's really fun to take the earbuds out of my ears too and be able to, to talk to everybody <laughs> yeah but it's it's fun it's it's you know it's a totally different ball game but i think that's part of the the fun of of life is, is figuring out new things and new processes and rolling with some of the the punches for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, honestly, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to all reset, for us, us to all hit the reset button. What were we doing 12 months ago and how quickly were we operating? You know, how many times were we taking flights? How many times were we on the, on the road driving somewhere? How many times did we think we had to go somewhere to have a vacation? Right. The vacation is within ourselves, right? So that's, I think that's the real that's the real fun part of what we're going through. It's obviously very, very difficult and we need to honor that. And we've all had uh, to implement brand new processes and brand new standards. Um, we even took the time during COVID to, um, to really uh, take a step back and say, how do we operationally improve across the front? So we brought standard operating procedures. You know, every single department has, has now been working on that. So it really gave mm -hmm. us an opportunity to kind of, kind of slow ourselves down, right? Hit that reset button, not only personally, but at the office and how do we, how do we slow ourselves down? How do we prepare for this next stage of growth that's coming out after, after COVID? Um, yeah. So it's provided that opportunity to us as well. So to do a, a I love that, uh, to do a, a callback here, uh, back to your first episode, uh, 
Sharon had a, a quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it right now, but she said something uh, along the lines of there's beauty in the wander and to allow yourself the, the space to just kind of figure it out mm -hmm. and not have to be so rigid on like, I, I have to get this figured out right now in this moment or else it's all lost. Um, and, you know, and I think I've, I've kind of come back to that a lot throughout COVID of there's beauty in the wander. We don't know what we don't know. And we don't know a lot of things that we think we know right now. <laughs> and so we, we're all figuring this out. We're all kind of wandering around together. And so to take the time to a think that that's okay. And then allow that space for you to figure things out. And I think it's great that you guys are, uh, you know, taking the time to create those greater efficiencies and, and really hone in on those uh, operating procedures and everything. That's, that's awesome. And I, and I love Sharon for that. And uh, Sharon's been a great guide for me. She's been a great friend. Uh, and, and we talk, uh, we talk very frequently, especially as we transition through, through COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm just so happy that she's also had a positive impact on you as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, how do people get in touch with you or with BIM Designs? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, I'm Mark Odin. I'm the CEO of BIM Designs. Uh, if you need anything at all, uh, feel free to reach out to me at modin at bimdesigns.net. Um, also like to make a plug for um, potentially a future podcast with you, but um, our BIM Genesis product that we announced uh, after uh, at, when COVID uh, arose, we announced, uh, uh, we basically took our um, streamlined uh, uh, ability to build um, uh, assembly line computers mm -hmm. that we would ship to our employees that would work from home already. So a week after everything shut down, we launched um, the ability for our to help our market and to support our market, uh, whether it be uh, you know other contractors or other competitors or anyone else that wants to uh, build a BIM department. Uh, we have a, an all-in-one product stack that we would ship, including accessories and VR components uh, that oh, wow. would be pre-tested, pre-packaged, and pre-installed actually with um, ASTI software. Uh, uh, and 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 all goodness. Um, so we would uh, send that to any of uh, anyone who's interested. We have that all pre-catered, and it comes with IT support on top of it. Um, so that's wow. our Genesis product line. That's awesome. Uh, good on you guys for being able to respond quickly to seeing the need and then reacting to it. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, well, I would love to to chat more about that for sure. Uh, well, thanks so much for, for joining the show, Mark. Always a, a pleasure to, to circle up and to chat with you. Yeah, thank you, Todd. I'm always happy to be here, and I love what you're doing with this program. Um, thank you to you, Alyssa, and the rest of the team. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you to all those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsors, Applied Software at ASDI.com for more information. You can listen anytime to this podcast by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyant, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.